Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the You Matter to Christ podcast, formerly known as Living a Better Story. And today I'm with Gary Yunkin, and he's going to be with us today. He is the founder of 100,000 Fathers, and his mission in life is to help fathers reunite with their children, most likely that occurs through divorce. And so he is on mission to help more than 100,000 fathers through this objective. And the work that he does, the I'm sure emotional connection that he creates is just amazing. On the website, it says, all my life's experiences pale in comparison to reuniting with my two teenage sons after three years of not seeing them. The transformation in my life and my connection now with my sons is what inspired me to create 100,000 Fathers Movement. If you've ever had a hole or a void in your life, man, three years, can you just imagine? And that's what we're going to talk to Gary about today. Gary, welcome to the show. Chad, great to be here. Thank you, brother. Mm, So yeah, the stuff you're doing. I remember the second episode of the podcast, Living a Better Story, was with a man named Gary, of course, with one R, in Colorado Springs, and he lost his five children, not through divorce. But I remember him saying it was as he had to go through the trauma processing for 10 years, lost weight as if they had died and they hadn't. And so that's what I believe that we're going to be talking about as we dig in today. So to help our audience get connected, I like to help our audience understand where were you raised? What was your thing when you were five, six years old? Yes, I was raised in South Africa, born in Johannesburg. You might have heard that city there. As a young kid, I was extremely shy, very introverted. So my thing was just creating, building things with my hands. Whenever I could, I'd be down in the garden, building a tree house or in my dad's garage, building whatever I could. Just discovered electric motors and batteries, I think when I was about five years old, when I remember, and it was just the most magical thing ever, discovering that. And then that just evolved into years and years and years, just building and creating every single little thing. My mind was, I wanted to become an inventor. It was my passion and my dream. So that's where I, where I grew up. 
Oh, that's really cool. We have a friend who just moved here from South Africa. His name's Matt Brown, and he runs a podcast called The Matt Brown Show. So we just had a South African barbecue at his house this last weekend. So I'm sure you would know all the names of the meals we had and everything else. That's great. It's called a braai in South Africa, and there's vorse, and there's yeah, biltong. And <laughs> the big, huge sausage that they had, the beef jerky stuff that was dried out meat. That was amazing. <laughs> Yes. So thinking about the inventor days, you're a kid, you're building things, anything you can get your hands on. If you move forward and you're in high school or maybe college, did that continue through those days where you're still creating things? The closest that I could find to being an inventor as an adult was becoming a mechanical engineer. And so when I was studying, I would volunteer my time to build. There was this man who's building an oil recovery vessel. So on the water, so on oil spills. So I'd be down in the basement <laughs> casting this boat fiberglass and just helping the design of that. And so just Again, the, the creating and the building definitely followed through, though. Qualified as an engineer, but I never actually worked a day in my life as an engineer. My life took me in a very different pathway throughout the years. Interesting. So what happened next? Where did the path take you from there? <laughs> I was the shyest kid still there, and I could not hold an interview. I just failed every single time on the interview. And so I just couldn't get out. I was unable to be employed. And so I ended up for probably about six or seven months just getting a great suntan and then learning on a chainsaw to just cut down the next door neighbor. I had a whole lot of trees that need to cut down. So again, using my hands, building stuff, repairing stuff around the house. And that then took me to starting my first company. I worked in a small company for three months doing sales for an IT company, shy person doing sales, not a good combination, but they then immigrated and I started a, a small little computer company, led into an advertising agency, ran for 11 years. And I started both of those with borrowing $40 from my brother equivalent, drove about 40 or 50 minutes down to get a hard drive and a memory stick back then and sold that to a customer. And so I just started teaching myself how to build computers and kind of evolved from there, different companies and <laughs> over the years, but very much using my hands and creativity has been a fairly common thread throughout my life. Wow. And now you can sit across the table from somebody and have a conversation that's deep in emotion. And so that shy kid that was inside seems to have probably still there in some ways. But, and I think you and I have a lot of similarities. My very first job out of school, I went into sales. I was fired after nine months. I failed miserably in front of a large audience doing a one-on-one -on -one role play. And I was like, I know I'm a better seller than this, but I'm so embarrassed and shy that how can I talk, look someone in the eyes and be in a room of 25 other people staring at me? And it caused a lot of hurt for a little while, but it also led me to become the salesperson that I am today, written five books on the topic and run a company in the sales area. So yeah, I find that often our biggest weakness becomes our biggest strength in life. And our biggest suffering becomes the gift, becomes the silver lining within life, like you were talking about that other guy, Gary, and the project that he ended up creating and feeding food for orphans, I think, just before we started this call. And so, yeah, millions of kids in, in Africa. I mean, what became the hardest thing ever, he ended up going to Africa and then he became a dad to a lot of people. And these are 12 year old kids that are the father figure of the house because both parents had died. Many times that's a standard thing that happens there. And now comes Gary because of the trauma that he faced, he became the gift to all of those million people. And now, by the way, he's back with his five kids and everything's great.
<laughs> he had taken that as the biggest gift and he's done something with that. And his story becomes such a gravitational force within his kids' lives. They want to be a part of that movie. And so instead of suffering and spiraling down, he's turned and used that time, that gift of the time away from his kids to do something with his life. And that's a key. And when I work with these fathers and they suffer, it's like you were saying, it's the morning, the death of your children while they're still alive. And it is the most painful thing that a parent can go through. You know, mothers and fathers go through this. But at their crossroads of spiraling down and you start sabotaging your life, you start eating unhealthily. For him, lost weight. Many fathers put on weight. Uh, work gets affected, relationships, people don't understand what you're going through, so you push everybody away. It is suffering on top of suffering on top of suffering and the uncertainty of how your children are doing, are they going to be okay? You delve into it and then you read the stats on single parents and the, the impact on the children and that messes you up even more. And so it's just this horribly painful suffering that these parents go through. I met a man in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, because we went to tour a home for people who get out of prison. So they do their time and then they get reacclimated to society through this home. The woman who runs it, her name is Mama. And she's amazing because she looks the person in the eye, she gives them their set of keys to their new apartment and says, okay, but then Mama is now going to be watching over these people that are in prison. And there was one guy who came down and I thought he was a volunteer in the group. And it turns out, no, he's one of the practicing members of the group and he's been part of it for years. And one time he lost control with one of his kids and hit the kid. And he still, you could see physically he would look down and had a challenge even looking at me to meet me, to talk to me and look me in the eye because of the shame that he still carries about that. But He's working through it with mama, with counseling. So I felt he was going through that so that some, and he's working at the local church. He's doing everything in his power to be the man that his kids would want him to be. And I have empathy. I remember raising my voice at my son one time when he was like five, six years old, looking for Halloween costumes at a store. I've and now attributed to a sequel or a sleeping pill that I had at the time, and it caused my chemistry to go imbalance, and I, I became angry at my own son. I would never physically harm or hit another person, but the verbal, thankfully, he was five. He does not remember that conversation, and I've logged him many a time and said, man, I'm so sorry for, for verbally. But that, what he's going through, just it must be a, a valley to have to get through. So thinking about the young kid that was building things, we're back five or six. Let's say he came and knocked on your door right now, Gary, and little G comes up and says, Gary, Gary, man, it's so good to see you. What do you think his perspective would be on where you are right now and doing the things that you're doing? I definitely think he would be happier not building physical things with my hands, but I am creating it from this idea that just came to me to reunite 100,000 fathers to the kids. Nobody is, you know, at that stage, I'd never met another man who had ever gone through something like that. And so there's been no roadmap, no blueprint to be able to follow, to be able to create all of this, just creating in a different way. And <laughs> so it's not using my hands, it's my mind, uh, computer and conversations to understand this challenge and this problem 
is how all of this has unfolded. I would say be pretty proud and the fact I can't even speak, whereas my youngest kid, younger version of me, couldn't even speak to an uncle. I was so painfully shy. Oh, that's fantastic. So let's pause for 10 seconds because someone might be listening right now and going, man, I need to get a hold of Gary. Let's put a little interruption here. How would they find you on the website? Because I'm sure there's going to be that one person that hears this and says, I need to talk to Gary immediately. How do they find you on the website? Either do a Google search, 100,000 fathers or 100K fathers. The website is 100k-fathers.com, www there. And from there, they'll be able to look at the site, see if it's a fit for them, look at some of the testimonials and the fathers that I've worked with. And that's, you know, fill out an application and see if we're able to help them either through one-to-one program that I guide fathers through. There's small groups as well, along with a self-guided program that I'm releasing tomorrow. So it's taken three years of of the making to reach more fathers because it's, I started this only being me in the start. And there's a handful of fathers that are helping out in this, but it's been a challenge to try and get this out there and help these fathers. And so that's where I've taken all the wisdom and conversations with children that are grown adults, And that's inside of the program, mothers and fathers that are going through this and the wisdom of that. And then all these wonderful tools to become the best version of yourself. Honor your children by looking after yourself. Be there in the future for them. Because like that other friend of yours, Gary, went 10 years of not seeing his kids. That's 10 years that you could just be spiraling down. So this is a beautiful upward spiral program, becoming the best version of yourself. And being there, not as a drowning man, when you do get to see your kids, It's this best version showing up and they're going to want to be a part of the movie, part of your life. And that's what all of this is about. And that's what you want. That's what every father would want. So spiral up instead of spiraling down. So obviously you hit the traumatic moment in your life at one point. And I like to call that moment the buzzsaw moment of life. And in one year I had three. And so I have serious empathy for people who have one, two, three or 20, right? I mean, I've talked to people who it's like, boom, boom, boom. This book that I just read, Fight Back, Be Your Own Hero. The amount of traumatic moments in her life is beyond count. And yet she rebounds every time. Talk us through yours a little bit. What happened in those years? Yeah, absolutely. So mine started, I was married to the mother of my two sons um, for 10 years. And we got divorced. Just We're just on different journeys within this life. Managed to bring these beautiful children into this world and, and raise them. After 10 years, we realized this wasn't the pathway to continue together. And so it was about two years, two and a half years after being separated and divorced, I met up, I met a lady I started dating and we were dating for about six or seven months before I decided, okay, now is the time to introduce my sons to this lady in my life. And at first, for the six or seven months, everything was amazing. We'd cook together, bike rides, go to the beach, road trips, go down to a harbor and fish for crabs. and Just a great time together. I thought everything was absolutely perfect. But the moment that I said she was going to be moving in with me, I think maybe some fears, you hear all the terrible stories and movies about stepmothers and her being that stepmother to them might've evoked something. And they just started rebelling more and more and more. And every time that I wanted to see them, they said, well, is your girlfriend going to be there? Well, we're not going to be there. And I just thought, well, they're nine years old and 12 just at that time. I thought, what do they know at that age? You know, I'm the grown adult, everything will be fun. What if I do get married to her? When they come around, does she move out each weekend? No, I was so stubborn 
And I didn't have the language and the tools to be able to even navigate something like that. And I didn't have the empathy to deeply understand what my sons were going through and the fears that they had, along with probably the fears of their mother, how this would actually be. And so over three or four months, maybe even longer, it might have been five or six months, my life just started spiraling. It just felt like my life was getting pulled apart by wild horses. I ended up in hospital, business that I was running, I couldn't even focus on that. Everything just collapsed. And the day that they moved in, my girlfriend moved in with me was the last day I saw them for three years. And I just thought each time it would be another week, maybe another month, and they'll come back. And it just got so bad that you know, all the communication had to go through my ex-wife. And so, you know, it was so difficult to try and even repair that situation. It just created such a Gordian knot that I couldn't find my way out of that situation. And so it must have been about just about a year. Seven, let me talk first about this because this is very relatable for like that other story you spoke about, Gary, where seven months into this, I met up with my mentor in my life. He was probably about 62 at the time. And I said to him, Gwen, I don't understand why my sons are still so angry. Why don't they want to come see me this weekend? You know, it's enough time has been gone by. And he said, Gary, what is the gift in this situation? And I said, what do you mean? What is the gift? How on earth can this be a gift? I don't get to see my sons. And then I realized, what am I going to do with that time when I don't get to see them? Those weekends, those times in preparing meals and the homework and all of those times, what am I going to do with that time? And my life went through such a major change from there where I started eating healthily. I started trying to run. I, I couldn't even run a quarter mile before there was such acid in my throat. I was so unfit at that time. And just doing harder and harder things you know, reading books and got into meditation and so many beautiful things that found their way into my life there. It was then a year of not seeing my sons and I decided to go and sleep the night alone in a waterproof sleeping bag. This was in, in England and never done something remotely like that in my life before. But just before turning off my phone, I received an email from my son's school and it was a message from the school, just a normal message, but I saw in there that my son's surname had been changed. And probably through his anger and his way of dealing with it, he had changed his surname. And that just felt like this knife going into my stomach. I mean, I ended up in a hospital a few months before that because of all the suffering that I was going through. And they couldn't find anything, but it was just the suffering I was going through. And I imagine the suffering my sons were going through in that same time as well. But that just took me on this incredible journey where I ended up rebooting my life, sold and gave away everything I had because I just realized financially had run out, realized unless I got rid of the roof of my head, my car, my electricity bill, everything, I wouldn't be able to even pay child maintenance. And I didn't want to not pay that. So my calculation in my mind is completely free fall. And with the help of winning an amazing person in my life, I free fell. And I ended up becoming a nomad, 52 items in a backpack and going into the world with such uncertainty, not knowing how to make income, how I'd even have a roof of my head, where I'd be some nights, where I'd even sleep. 11 o'clock at night, I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. But life just took me on this incredible journey that has led me to where I am today and reuniting with my sons after three years and just such gratitude, although it was so painful. And how long has that been that you've been reunited? Over five years now. My sons are 18 and 21 now and just beautiful, beautiful relationship with them and healed things with the mother. When you sold the goods in your house and everything and you're down to 52 items in a backpack, 
Did faith play a role in in your journey to bringing you back together with your sons in there some way, somehow? Feel this is such a guided path, without a doubt. Because at 14, I had such a technical mind that when I went to church and heard these stories of Noah's Ark and Adam and Eve and Moses parting the Red Sea, I was like, this is a lot of rubbish. <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. So I completely reject Sure. It sounds physically impossible and therefore, hey, this is just a story that somebody wrote in a piece <laughs> of paper. I can totally understand that. It's yeah. undeniable that there's been a greater force within my life that has protected me, shown me this way, has provided for me, has brought my sons back into my life. Even sitting down over three years ago, just before the pandemic started, I had this such clear message, you need to reunite 100,000 fathers to their kids. And at that stage, I'd never met another father who had ever lost contact with their kids. So definitely a, a guided path, though I don't publicly say God and giving that credit to God, it's without a doubt that there is something greater. And there's so many examples of that that have unfolded. Let's talk about miracles, because when I would read about those things about giving a blind man sight or in the garden, there was a sword that cut off a man's ear. Jesus grabs the head and the ear magically comes back on. And that there's witnesses that have said, hey, yeah, this is really true, right? A lot of us don't have the firm faith foundation until we actually see something in our lives. So in 2021, February, it was my wife's and I's anniversary. We went skiing with my son and daughter up in the mountains. Two weeks later, we got a phone call. Ding, 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 ding. You know, and you get the call, mom, dad, I've been in a terrible accident. Send an ambulance. Your throat drops. What kind of accident? At least he's talking, right? This is going to be okay. It's a burn accident. I was involved in a terrible burn accident. My face and hands are badly burned. Send an ambulance immediately. So your pulse races. My wife had her car at the restaurant because she came from work. I had the niece and nephew and my daughter. I drove, dropped them off. She drove to the ambulance and met them there. I went to the hospital and waited three hours. And that was a tough three hours. You just don't know what you're going to see. He comes in and his face is totally burned. Hairs off, eyebrows is off, arms, shoulders, hands. Both sides of his hands were basically off, both sides. So what can you do? You have faith. Hey, God, this is like your phone a friend moment. I've always had faith. You know I've been faithful through no matter what happens. And I just had had one three weeks prior, another trauma <laughs> that involved me. And so I'm like, God, this is my son. And I'm like, please. Prayed every night. We went to the hospital every night. And by week three, they took off the wrap and it was as if nothing happened. It was completely healed on his face. His right hand completely healed. His left hand still has a little scar. We're like, hey, if we, you want to get that fixed? And he's like, ah, kind of like to have the memory, right? The gift that you talk about. So I think a lot of people think that miracles happened 2,000 years ago. And meanwhile, just like your story shows, miracles are still happening to this day. And when it's a burn involved and they're healed, whew, can't make that up. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Having children is your heart walking outside of your body. And when they go through suffering, you wish you could take that suffering up for them. Part of the suffering within this life, it builds resilience for later stages in life. I think that event that your son has gone through is going to serve him many times over into the future. And so parents often try and remove suffering from children, but it is important to 
our survival and to understand life and to be able to navigate fur- further things in life because our parents aren't always going to be there <laughs> as we become adults. So it's an important lesson your son went through there. What's the one thing, if, if there's a dad on here listening and he's just been cut off from his kids for one reason or another, if there's one thing that you could say that's put one foot in front of the other, what would be the first step other than visiting 100K fathers? But what's the first step they should take? Just make sure you keep looking after yourself. So, so vital. Just keep working out, keep eating healthily, remove toxins out of your life. Those short-term things that might feel like it's going to help to numb that pain, alcohol, drugs, those are the things that will take you down a very dark and dangerous pathway. So just stay away from any of that. So first thing is is really make sure you're nurturing yourself and don't give up on those those habits while you're trying to fight to see your kids within your life. Whatever the path that you end up taking here, make sure that you're looking after yourself. I mean, there's so many steps. That's such a, a critical one there. I can't agree more. Well, everybody, it's been an amazing conversation today with Gary. If you want to visit the website, it's 100 k fathers and you'll find a video greeting right there on the site. You feel welcome from the minute you interact with Gary. So I've really had a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing with our audience. Chad, such a pleasure having connected with you. And, and thank you. And for all the fathers and even mothers out there, this might be the biggest challenge you're ever going through within your life. There's going to be many gifts, but you've got to look out for those gifts. Honor your children by looking after yourself that you can be there in the future for them. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for joining another You Matter to Christ podcast. And remember, you matter to Christ. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. Christ.